All right, how are you guys doing tonight? Good, good. It's good to see you guys. Uh, if, you're, if it's your first time here tonight, I just want to welcome you. Uh, my name is Michael Page. I get the awesome opportunity to be the campus pastor here at Connection Church in Pooler. Um, and we, uh, if, you're, if it's your first time here, you came on a great night because we're starting a new series tonight. Um, and it's, uh, it's called The End of Me. Um, and wh- what we do here at, at Connection Church, and what I love about our church is that every, um, everything we do from our, the kids area, from the, the parking lot to, to what I'm doing here, to the band, is to, is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. And so tonight, one thing I do know is if you are far from the Lord, if you're far from Jesus, or if you don't know who Christ is, if you've never, if you've never walked into a relationship with him, uh, tonight you will have an opportunity to do that. Um, just from walking onto this campus. And that's what I love about our church is it's, it's so passionately uh, pursuing people to have a relationship with Christ that is growing and active. And so um, that's, it's just so cool that you're here. And we're just, I just want to welcome you um, tonight. Um, if you weren't here last week, uh, Billy Shiver from our Vidalia campus, he came and introduced our new reading plan, the 412 reading plan. Um, if you don't have one of those or if you weren't here last week, you can grab one at the next steps table. Um, I, I, it was, it's really cool to be able to read along with every campus all across our church, to be able to read the same scripture each week and to, to be kind of unified in that is what we're doing. And so does anybody, did everybody get one of these like the last week? If you didn't, um, if you did get one, who, who got, let's do this. Who got one last week? Raise your hand. Awesome. All right. Who's done, who's done it all week long? All right. Good, awesome. So we're up to a good start here. That's awesome. So keep up with it, y'all. And the thing is, what I love about it, if you miss a day, it's okay. Just keep going. Uh, it's really cool to do with your families too, if you have, um, if you have a family as well. So, um, like I said a minute ago, we're starting a new series tonight. And it's called "The End of Me," um, as you saw on the bumper video, and um, it, it's a very um, in-your-face type of sermon series because it's, it's, called, it's showing us what it looks like to follow Christ. Because if we're going to follow Jesus the way that he's called us to follow him, it means that we are to come to the end of ourselves so that he can be exalted in our life through the way that we live, through the things that we do. And, and that, and that is, is such, it goes against everything we are as humans to give up control of our lives sometimes, right? And so tonight, I just want us to kind of come to a place tonight where um, we can just calm our hearts calm ourselves, bring ourselves back centered to where we're supposed to be at with God, um, have a proper view of who he is and who we are and what that looks like on the, on the grand scheme of things. And so tonight, I just want us to, to take scripture. We're about to read some scripture in a second. But before we do that, I want to take the, our Bibles. If you have your Bible, and I hope you do it, I want you to just hold your Bibles in your hands. And I want you to look at it. And I want you to take the Bible. And I want you to open it up in a second to John 3. And I want us to look at it like it's the actual inspired Word of God, because that's what it is. And a reverence should come upon us as we open up a book that was inspired by God, that, that was the truth of Scripture that comes off the pages that reads us in our lives and puts us in our proper place, should cause a reverence to come over our life as we, as we open it and read it. And so tonight, I want you to, as we open the Scripture, I want you to have an expect, expectation in your heart for God to speak to you tonight. Because every time we open Scripture, there's a possibility for your life to radically change. Just from reading one sentence in Scripture, your life can change because it's inspired by God and it's full of the Holy Spirit as, as, it, as it comes off the page. And so tonight, my question for you individually is where are you at? Like, wh- what are you here for tonight? Why did you come? 
Was it to come check out a new church? Was it to come uh, check a box? Was it to um, just to, what, what, why, are you, why are you here? What's the point of, of you being here tonight? What is God wanting to do in your life? Because there's no chance. There's no chances with God. God, God doesn't do anything by chance. He's very, he's very precise in the way he does things. And so why are you here? My next question is, are you following Christ? Are you following Christ in your life? Is that why you're here? Because he's calling you back to church. Are you keeping in step with him? Or have you wandered away? My next question to kind of get us going here is, is do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus more than anything else? Is he number one? Is he number one? Because that's the place he has to hold in your life. Have you ever truly seen what he's done for you? Has it ever clicked? Has your eyes and your hearts, like it says in Ephesians 1, has it been opened to see what the, just who God is and what he's done for you? Because my greatest desire, our greatest desire as a church is for someone to get it tonight, someone to understand the veils of your eyes to be, to be lifted and that you would see Christ for who he is. That's, that's our heart tonight at church. And, and so that we were created for, for something that, that's bigger than ourselves. And hence the, the, the term of our, our sermon series called The End of Me. And so I hope tonight, guys, that we can come to a place of bravery and courage. And I hope we can take our next steps tonight as individuals and as a church. Because like I said, there's no, there's no reason why we cannot take our next steps with what God's trying to do in our hearts. So, I just want to take some time for a second here. I just want to be quiet because it's so simple to come to church, go home, come to church, go home, go to work during the week, have everything that we do during the week, and we just get lost in just everything. I just want to take some time and just be quiet. So if you want to bow your heads with me, I, want to, I just want to give you some time just to kind of reflect where you are with God. God, what are you trying to say to me? And I want to pray a couple things together, and then we'll get into the Scripture now. where you're at tonight, I just, um, I just want us to pray this together uh, from the front to the back. There's three things. First thing is, God, open my heart to what you want me to hear tonight. God, soften my heart to the words you're wanting me to hear. The next thing is, reveal things in my life, Lord in my heart that need to be rearranged or adjusted. The last thing is to, or give me strength and courage to make changes today that you reveal. And so Father, tonight I just thank you for who you are. God, you're the Savior of the world. You're the beginning and the end. Father, you are almighty God. And I thank you for the opportunity that we get tonight to, to open your word, Father, to see who you are, Father, to know um, that we are, we are talking to a real, living, breathing God, not a dormant or dead God, Father, but you are here with us in our presence. So tonight I pray that our hearts will be open. I pray that our minds will be centered and focused on what you want us to do, Father, with our lives, with um, any, anything in our hearts that, that are that are not in line with your spirit, God. I pray that you would convict our hearts, God, and you would give us a very poignant, um, just a, a, a just an action step that we can take, Father, in our lives to, to please you and to be on mission with you.
because that's our heart, God, tonight as a church is to be in step with you, Father, because we love you. And I just pray tonight, Father, for that person here tonight, God, that is far from you. God, I pray that they would have courage, Father, to, to take a step close to you tonight, Father. We love you, and we just pray that you would just come be with us, Father. Same I pray. Amen. All right, who has their Bible? We're good? Phone or a book? Either way, we're good. Um, it's uh, John 3. If you don't, we have, a, we have a screen you can check out. It's John 3. We're going to look at John chapter 3, verses 22 through 36. And um, it's basically where we see uh, Jesus' um, ministry on earth coming into, into the light. And we see John the Baptist's uh, ministry on earth starting to, starting to go into the shadows a little bit of Jesus' ministry, which John the Baptist is, is excited about as anyone would, who's called, to the, who's called to follow Christ the way John the Baptist was. And so let's read together um, uh, uh, chapter, chapter 3, verses 22 through 36. It says, After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the um, Judean countryside, where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing at Anon and Salem, because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. That was probably a, a Pharisee of, of sorts. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he appears, when he hears the bridegroom's voice. The joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God gives the spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. There's a lot to unpack in there. We're going we're gonna to focus on verses 22 through 30 here in a second. But before we get there, I have a really serious question to ask you. Um, how many of you guys in here tonight has ever taken a selfie? Five or six? That's it. Okay. High. Raise them up. Hands high. Let's go. Okay. That's a lot of people. Okay. How many people here have never taken a selfie? Ever? My man. Yeah, there we go. All right, here we go. All right, so how many people in here might be a little embarrassed by the amount of selfies you've taken? I'm gonna go to this side of the room because I know a couple people in here. <laughs> all right, so I did, some, I did some research on selfies of all things. It's kind of, it kind of depressing, honestly. Um, the first selfie was taken in 1839 by a man named Rob, Robert Cornelius, which it was, was crazy. Um, in 2014, selfie was actually um, introduced into the game of Scrabble as an actual word you can use to, to play the game, which I think is ridiculous. Um, the award, this is the award for who's taking the most selfies. It goes to Kylie Jenner. Does that make, surprise anybody? Uh, she had 450 Instagram selfies in one year. It's a lot. Um, it's more than one a day. Um, 
Snoop Dogg was second. He had 251. So there's another fact. Men who post selfies are more likely to be narcissistic or psychopathic. So just for you ladies who are single, there you go. All right, so, um, so basically, it's not a surprise for me to talk to you guys about um, just how self-saturated of a culture that we are, is it? We're a very self-saturated culture. Since the beginning of time, I feel like Satan's been preaching a message of, to humanity that says that our joy is found in us becoming greater. Whether it's our jobs or money, whether it's our, our family life, whether it's relationships, no matter what, it's, we're always trying to, to move ourselves to the front of the line, even before Jesus, even though we don't like to say that. We're always seeking that comfortable state of our life. We're trying to move ourselves to the most comfortable place possible. The equation, if you're, for you math people, is kind of like self-exaltation and getting more, it equals happiness and security, Right? But it's, not, it's no surprise that, that we live in a culture that's never been more depressed or lost, right? And so we have, this, we have this idea in our mind that Satan's implanted that go get more, go get more pride, arrogance, ego. And then we turn around and we see ourselves as depressed and lost and, and, and sad a lot. We see a culture that is needing more um, affirmation and, and all those kind of things. And it's, 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 it's crazy, guys. Because, but what I want you to hear is that inevitably, Inevitably, in the end, nothing you gain, nothing you accomplish, no matter how many selfies you take, if you take 451, no, 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 nothing you accomplish on this earth will ever satisfy you apart from Christ. Nothing. There's nothing on this earth that you can satisfy yourself with that will fulfill you the way that Christ will because that's, that's why you were created. The, the, you were created for that. Scripture preaches a very different message than our culture speaks. And so tonight, we need to hear that and understand that I feel like the church has started to adopt some of our culture's ways of thinking. Can we agree on that? And it's, we need to understand that we are set apart, and we need to set our minds and our hearts and our lives apart the way that Christ has called us to, because if we continue to, to immerse our, our, our faith and our culture together, it's going to be a disaster, because for so long, the church has believed and we chased after a, a cheap imitation of happiness and joy that has left millions of people depressed and lost and, and with a false sense of hope. One of the greatest and most convicting quotes I've heard in a long time is Matt Chandler. He, uh, he, said, he said, what makes ministry in the Bible Belt most difficult is that people who aren't Christians think they are. And it's, 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 a, it's a sobering quote. Because we see people um, every day who are going to church and who are reading the Bible and Bible studies and who are going to connect group and going all these and, and they there's never any obedience there's no there's no being in step with Christ there's no sacrifice we don't and so but we're claiming Christ we've tried to mix culture and faith together and that will not work ever it never works mixing culture and faith ask the Israelites. We see in Scripture, they try to do this over and over and over and over again. It never works. And so tonight, guys, the, it, it, what it does is creates a spiritual no-man's land that produces spiritual death at worst, but apathy at best, right? And so we need to understand that, that, you know, one of the scariest, you know, most unspoken mindsets that has kind of crept in the church, the big C church, has been that members of the church, as members of the church, we're consumers of the gospel rather than participators in it. 
We come to consume things. We come to, to you know, preach or preach to me. Let me hear this song. Let me do, we, go, we, we consume and rarely participate in what God's called us to do as Christians. And so tonight, my heart in, in talking about this is for you to understand that as I read this and as I speak this, that this is, this is much you know, convicting for me as well. For us, we have to be one in this and one mind in this. Like, uh, we, we, have this, we have this false sense of, of, of who God is because we, we, we unintentionally sometimes, I think, kind of put God in this place where he's kind of like, God's here to please me. He's here to provide for me what I want and make our, our lives less stressful rather than us being his servants and being his vessel. Most of the time in Scripture, you'll see the, um, the, the, the terms, um, whatever Jesus um, has, that was crazy. Um, whenever, whenever, we, we, whenever Christians get to heaven and God says, um, well done, good and faithful servant. Everybody's heard that line in Scripture before. Everybody wants to hear that that's in this room, I'm sure. But the word servant is more closely related to the word slave in, in Greek. And so what I want to say to that is like, uh, you know, are we living the life of a slave? To, am I a slave to Christ? No matter what you say, God, I'm doing it. No matter where you say go, I'm going. Father, no matter what you want me to sacrifice, I'm sacrificing it for you because everything I have is yours anyway. Everything that I do is, is, is for you. And if we can't live like that, you know, it's, it's important to understand that we have to question ourselves of where, where our loyalties lie as believers. Are we, are we following Christ or are, are, we, are we loosely following him on the things that we like and, and not on the things that we don't, which means we're in the middle, which means we're not following Christ. And that's a scary, that's a scary truth. And it's, it's something that Satan has, has decept, deceived us with as a church. And I think it's time for us to wake up and, and, be, and be men and women of God who boldly proclaim the gospel in a way that's true, who boldly proclaim the gospel to ourselves on a daily basis where I'm getting up and I'm saying, God, wh what do I need to do today? What do I need to change today? Father, give me grace today to do what you've called me to do. So tonight, someone here, I feel like, needs to hear that, that if you're a true, if you're active, if you're a follower of Christ, then you are saved for a purpose, completely outside yourself. Like you are saved for a purpose outside yourself. You are rescued, you are saved, and you are joined, and to join Jesus on mission of taking the gospel to the world. That's why you were saved. You were saved with a purpose of going and doing, and that means getting outside of these walls of this church. That means, that means going outside of the boundaries of Pooler and of Rankin and of Savannah and of Chatham County. That means going outside of the boundaries of the United States sometimes. But most importantly, it means getting out this outside the, the boundaries of your comfort zone. If our, if our Christianity, if our faith is, is bound by the comfort zones of our life, then it's gonna be a dead faith. Because if we're constantly following Christ only as long as he leads us in our comfort areas, then we're not truly following Christ because I promise you one thing, he's gonna take you outside your comfort. He's gonna take you outside the lines of, of where you feel comfortable because Paul says, he says, well, his weaknesses, his, in our weaknesses, Christ is made, we're made strong through Christ. That's where we need to be looking at in our lives. And you can look at, at Paul in Galatians 2. One of my favorite scriptures in, in, in the Bible is Galatians 2, 20 through 21. And there's at least two people in this room I know that have this verse memorized. It's an inside joke from, so anyway, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. 
I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Let that hit you in the face for a second. This is Paul. Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He, he knew everything about the law. He was, I mean, he had it all. Christ came and he put him on mission and he said this, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. What Paul wanted, Paul don't, it don't matter anymore. I, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what Paul wanted. I'm, I'm now living for Christ because Christ lives in me and through me. It says the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he said in light of what God's done for me, I'm gonna live my life for him. And that's what our hearts should be like as Christians. And that's what this whole series is about is, is coming to the end of ourselves because of what Christ has done for us. Because he did not spare any expense in sacrificing himself on the cross to, to save my soul and your souls. And he, he gives you an opportunity to come to him and to serve him in a way that you would never imagine. And so tonight, let's, see, let's, let's hear that. And he goes on and says, if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. And so this whole series goes directly against our culture of consumerism that we're living in right now. It says that if, if Galatians 2 is true, then everything in my life must point to Christ, not me. Everything in my life must point to Christ and not me. You know, so many times I hear myself, the way I think, you know, and, the, and I, I've heard other people say this too, the way that my, my, hum, my human mind works, you know, it, it can be something so, so small as me coming to church and me going home and talking to my wife about worship. So I didn't really like that song. It was, it was just okay. You know, like the worship said, you know, it was fine. The pastor was, you know, whatever. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to our, our kids director. I'll say, I'll serve. I'll serve you, God, as long as I don't have to do it in kids. I, you, know, you know what I mean? I, I mean, we are all on those, those, that playing field sometimes. But what I'm what I finally starting to understand, it's not about me. The songs aren't for me. I'm supposed to, to, to give God a blank check and walk in obedience to what he's calling me to do. Or sometimes I've been in this place before where I say, if, God's, if God calls me, I'll go. But then I rarely spend time enough with him to hear him say, I want you to go, and this is where I want you to go. You know what I mean? I don't give him enough time to be able to. So the church was never meant to entertain us. But we live in a culture that is very entertainment-driven, right? We have social media, we have movies, we have, we have the, I mean, all this stuff. I mean, very visually, um, just visually entertaining. It brings us to a place of just mind numbness sometimes. We see people walking around town or Walmart, what are they doing? They're staring at their phones walking around, Correct. And so we're all about entertainment. We're, entertain me, entertain me. Show me, uh, give me this and give me that. And so we come to church and it's natural. It's what we always do. So we're, hey, entertain me, entertain me. Uh, Thomas, play me a song. That was a good song. And so it's always, it's always about us. And so what I want us to hear tonight is it's not about us. He's calling us to get outside of ourselves and, and to serve him the way that we're called, the way that the Bible talks about. Um, if, if our goal is to reach our city, like we said a second ago, if, if it's to reach our city with the gospel, it can never be about us. It cannot. Because what will happen is we will just be a, another dot of a church on a map in a city. And we would just come and we'll meet every week. And we'll have small groups and we'll do all these things. And we'll be very pretty. But we, we would not be effective for the kingdom until we come to the end of ourselves. 
this gathering here that you see, the people around you, this can, it can never be the only place where we receive spiritual nourishment. This can never be the only place that you come to receive nourishment, of spiritual nourishment. If the only time that we feel the presence of God is in a church service, then we've sadly missed the point, and we're in a very dangerous spot. I want to look in Acts chapter 3. If you're, if you're there, it's just one book to the right in your Bibles. Um, Acts chapter 3. I want to read a little story about um, Peter and John. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. And again, it'll be on the screen. And I'll be honest with you. If you've been in this church long enough, you've heard Acts 2, chapter 42 through 47 read about 400,000 times. Because we think, because we believe, we know that this is a biblical view of what community and what church looks like. In Acts 2, 42 through 47, talks about how they met together, loved one another, were generous, all those kind of things. And this story we're about to read is immediately after that. And I don't think that's, a, that's an accident. You see them living together, and, and, and I'm not necessarily talking about roommates. I mean, they were like alongside of one another, doing life together, sharpening one another, um, being generous together, serving the Lord together. And then next, you see Peter and John going to the temple, going to pray, going to worship, going to hang out with the other believers. And it says this, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. This man was lame from birth, and the guy jumped to his feet and walked. That's awesome. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising the Lord. So the man was lame from birth. The guy gets up, jumps up, starts jumping and walking. Happy. This guy is pumped up because he has never walked before. Think about never walking and then getting up and actually being able to walk and you're, how happy. I mean, I'd skip too, wouldn't you? <laughs> skip it all the way to church with these guys. But what I want you to see is this, is that Peter and John, they were heading to the temple to pray and worship already full of the Spirit. Do, do you see that? Did you, did you see that in that scripture? Like they were headed to church already full. They weren't going to get full they were, going, they were on the way there full of the Spirit. Because the time, their time alone with Jesus, their time one-on-one -on -one with Jesus, with God, in prayer, seeking God's face, being led by the Spirit, not at church, not a connect group, but in their time alone with God. They were seeking His presence in their individual everyday life, and God was filling them up with the Holy Spirit, and what did they do? Look at this, they, what did they do? Whenever they saw the man, they took the man's hand and helped him up with all kind of faith that this man was about to walk because they knew who Jesus was. They've seen Jesus work. They had faith that God was gonna work through them because of the time that they have spent with Jesus alone, the time they spent with God alone in their quiet time, in their alone time. So they picked him up and they went to the temple together. 
So they did work, they did the work of Christ on the way to church, helped a guy up off the, off the ground who had been lame from birth and took him to church with them. That's the key. That's the idea. They were on mission for Christ outside the walls of the church. They understood that they were on mission with a purpose, and that purpose far outweighed Peter and John. It far outweighed Peter and John. They understood that the church begins when the service is over. Does that make sense? The church, be, church begins when the service is over. Whenever this service is over, it's time to get pumped up and go be the church in our community. It's to, that's, that's when church begins. And so, you know, that is, is huge. And so my heart behind this and, and for you guys to hear is, does our heart break for the things that break God's? Does our heart break for the thing that breaks God? Does our comfort zone determine our level of obedience to Christ? You know, that's something that, 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 that when God dropped that in my heart this week to say, like, does our comfort zone determine my level of obedience to God? I hope not. It has in the past. But I think it's time for the church to rise up. I think it's time for the church to wake up, to be the church, and to, to see that we see in Scripture the church that we see in Scripture, not the church that we've created to, to appease us and to entertain us, but the church that we see in Scripture and to stop being satisfied with just coming here and checking a box. It's time to be a church. It's time to be the church and stop going to church. Does that make sense? The only way, guys, this will ever happen is for us to see Jesus as he truly is, as he truly is, as the Son of God, who came and died for us and allowed the Holy Spirit to have access to the places of our hearts that we keep hidden. And that, that's what we see John do. We see John in our scripture from earlier. We see him do that. You know, our eyes need to be lifted above the horizon of this world to see Jesus for who he is as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Is that who he is to you tonight? Is he the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Or is he, a, or is he somebody on a page that you've read about? Where is he at tonight? Is he king of your heart? We just sang a song a second ago that says, I surrender all. Or have we surrendered all to Jesus? You know, we find it so easy to fix our gaze on life because we can see it. These 80 years that we have to live, 80 years on average to live. But we lose sight of eternity when we do that. Eternity is so much longer. 80 years. We kill ourselves to, to get our retirement squared away. We check off the wish list of items on our, on our American dream, and we forget about the calling that God has put on our lives. You know, the Bible compares life to a mist, and it's here for a second, and then it's gone later. You talk to anyone who, is, who has lived a long time, and they will, they will inevitably always say, I remember when, or I remember this, and it seems like yesterday. Have you ever had a conversation like that? I have, and so, my, and I've said that a few times recently. Uh, and this is exactly what was happening in, in, the, in John 3. You see, Jesus was moving into his earthly ministry like we had talked about, and, and just as John was, was proclaiming that he would. So I wanna, I wanna look at the two responses that we see John's disciples have and then the ones that we see John himself have. And so let's look again at John 3. We're gonna read verses 22 through 26. If I can get there really quick. It says, after this, Jesus and his disciples went out to the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now, John also was baptizing in Anon and Salem. 
because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of, the disciples, some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, well, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing. Everyone is going to him. And so I want you to see that they were so concerned with losing their influence. They had established with the people of that area that they lost sight of the mission that was at the forefront of John's ministry. John's ministry was to prepare the way for the Lord, prepare the way for Jesus. That was, the four, that was the centerpiece of his ministry, was to prepare the way for the Lord. And his disciples knew that. His disciples knew that, that, that one was coming greater than John, coming greater than them, but they, they were more concerned about losing the influence that they had created. They were ready to condemn the very person that they were preparing the way for because of something they were losing. You see how sick that is as humans that we do that as well? Like in their minds, self had took over the mission. It was self, then mission. It was self, then we'll prepare the way. It was self, then Jesus apparently. And so tonight, guys, like you, this, is, this is where we're at. You know, they knew, they knew what they were doing because you can look in John 1. You don't have to turn there, John 1, 29. John says this in the ear, in the range they could hear, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so they knew who Jesus was. They knew. They might not have wanted to know, but they knew. They believe the same lie that Satan has been feeding humanity since the beginning. He screams that our joy is found in us becoming greater. It was the same message that he tempted Adam and Eve with. It's the same message that he tempts us with the message that teaches that self-exaltation get, means getting more happiness and security. But what I want you to see in, in like stark contrast is with the response of John in verses 27 through 30. He says this, to this, John replied, a person can only receive what is given to them from heaven. That right there is a statement that would change your life. If you can get that point where I only receive what's given to me from heaven will change everything. If you live that way, everything in your life will change. You yourselves can testify that I have said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride, which is the church, belongs to the bridegroom, which is Jesus. The friend, who is John, who, the best man, who attends the bridegroom, Jesus, waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. The joy is now mine and is now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. This is what happens, guys, whenever we truly see Jesus for who he is. We die to ourselves. We die to ourselves and we realize that, that we are here for his plan and his use. His plan and his use, not mine. John was joyful. He was, he was excited because it finally come to pass. All his work had finally paid off, and now he's seeing the one that he was working for, working towards. How exciting is that? That's awesome. You guys awake with me tonight? You good? Are we good? Do I need to preach faster or harder? Let's go. So tonight, my question for you is, what is your response? What is our response to Jesus? 
whenever you met with the truth that Jesus came and he died for you, what is your response? Is it joy? Is it, are we too consumed with ourselves to be able to understand what that means? Is it, he must become greater, I must become less? Is that something that we pray, we think about, we work through? Well, this is where we're going, guys, with this series is, you know, up from, from now until Easter, we're gonna be going through this. I'm talking about coming to the end of ourselves so that Christ can be made alive in us to do the work we're created for. Because this is the thing that, that we need to understand is that if Jesus is Lord of our lives, then by definition of the word Lord, it's not about me and it's not about you and it's not about us. Just by definition. Like we love to talk about Jesus as Savior. We love, I mean, that's a, that's a safe word, Savior, right? But the word Lord, that requires a little more commitment. It does. And so like, we like the safe Savior Jesus, but when we run away from the dangerous Lord Jesus, it's, it, it makes more sense because we run away from it because it, it requires something of us. But my, my thoughts for us tonight is that, that he is both Lord and Savior or he's nothing. He can't be one or the other. The two cannot be separated. The two can't be separated. He's our Savior because he's our Lord. It's, it has to, be, has to be both. Our joy is found, guys, when we come to the end of ourselves. That's what we don't want to hear tonight as we're starting this series. The, the, the joy that you've been searching for for years and years and years is only found at the end of you. Laying your life down, denying yourself and following Christ step by step. Because when we lay our lives down, guys, and we, and we surrender to Jesus, we find peace, we find hope, we find joy, and we find life more than you can ever produce on your own, more than you can ever gain through influence or money or position, anything. Jesus fulfills every need of every heart in this room. He does. He fulfills every need of every heart in this room, every heart that comes to him saying, Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. He, he, he will not turn that person away. Guys, taking up our cross and denying ourselves means that Jesus has become more precious to us than anything else in life. And so tonight, where, where does that leave you? Where does that leave us? Has Jesus become more precious than anything else in your life? Has that, has that, has, has that been where you're at with the Lord? If it's not, you know, we need to talk about that because guys, when someone meets Jesus face to face, when someone hears the gospel, that person is brought to a decision. You're, you're brought to a decision. You follow him or you reject him. There's no gray area whenever it comes to Jesus. Whenever you meet him face to face, it's follow or reject. I've heard people say before, well, I'm not there yet. Well, for lack of a better term, that's rejection. We follow him or we don't. The cross is offensive, man, because it confronts us in our sin. It shows us where we're sinners. It shows us like you know, you're a sinner. It shows you that you, you need Christ. It shows us that we have a need, but it's, it's a confrontation of love not of hate, not of, not of to make you look crazy. It's to show you that he loves you. It's a confrontation that we all must face, every human on the planet, because we're all sinful and we need a savior. We need a savior because of our sins. We talked about a few weeks ago about us being dead in our sins before Jesus. 
before, before we are in Christ, we're dead in our sins, and we need a Savior to come in and take that, that, that debt of sin that we owe. Anytime we come in here, there's so many people from different backgrounds. That's why I love the church, because there's people in here tonight that are struggling, that don't, that don't know Christ. There's somebody here tonight that is doing great, that God has just poured into, and they've never been better. And there's people that are right in the middle somewhere. But we're all meant to, to, to push one another along, to, to love one another and to guide one another to Jesus, pushing each other to him. But anytime we come in here, we're all different backgrounds. We all have various needs. But I know that each of us, each of us tonight are the object of God's mighty love. God loves you. He loves you. He's not mad at you. He, he like Thomas was talking earlier about shame. That's something I've dealt with for a large portion of my life because of sin. But he's not mad at you. He's not surprised that you sinned. He's not. He's not surprised of where you're at. You will never do anything and God be like, oh, never saw that coming. That would never happen. He knows you better than you know yourself. And he loves you. In your sin, he loves you. He loves you to the point where he gave his son to die and gave you the choice to choose him or not. That's big. He gives you a choice. His only son died upon a cross for us, the worst death imaginable, and Jesus endured all that in our place because of our sins, because we deserve the cross, guys. We deserve hell. We deserve judgment. As people, we don't want to hear that we're sinners, but I'm here to tell you tonight, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell you this if I didn't love you, but there's no other way to salvation except through the cross of Jesus, period. Jesus said in John 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. When you come to him and you surrender your life to him, he clothes you in right in his righteousness. God no longer sees your sin, he only sees his righteousness. We turn to him through repentance, through faith, and through obedience. Repentance is nothing more than changing your mind, saying, God, you're right, I'm wrong, I'm turning to you. I'm turning away from my sin, and I'm turning to you. Faith, we turn into him with faith, leaning on him for salvation, leaning on, his, leaning on Jesus to save us, and then obedience is following him. And we can't, guys, and this is a decision we can't escape. Um, when it comes to Jesus, we talked about this earlier, we cannot escape this decision. It's something we can't, we can't run far enough away. We can't get away from that. When faced with Jesus, we have to choose. We gotta choose one way or the other. Remember, we reject him or we accept him. So what are we gonna do with Jesus tonight? If you, you may be in a place where you've already accepted Christ and you, you are living um, just in the spirit and you are zoned in. Well, that's awesome, that's great. But there's some people here tonight that may have never um, truly turned their life over to Christ. In Ezekiel 36, 26, it says this, one of my favorite verses. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That's what God wants to do in us tonight is if, if you've never accepted Christ tonight, if you've never made a decision or maybe you've rejected him, if, you're still, if you still have breath, you still have purpose. And so tonight, guys, if, if you've never accepted Christ as, as your Lord and your Savior, both, if you've never accepted him as that, I just want to, connection, we like to be bold and we like to celebrate with you if that's something that you've never done, I just want to ask you to raise your hand and we want to walk with you through that. We want to pray with you. Can we do that? Anybody? 
All right, so for everybody else, if your life is looked more like I must increase and he must decrease instead of the way John spoke about it, it may mean that you need to turn back to God. And we call that repentance, like we just talked about. Acts 3, 19, um, 3, 19 and 20 says, repent then and turn back to God so that your sins may be wiped away, that, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And so tonight, guys, it may look like there's some things in your life that you need to turn over to God. There's some things in your life that you've put before Jesus, and you need to get that straight so that you can walk into the future with him. And so tonight, if that's you, um, in just a second, we're going to have um, another song. If that's you, I want to invite you to come and just lay that down at the altar. Pray that. Pray, just leave that to God. We have, a, um, we have a prayer team that would like to pray with you if you want. Um, if not, that's fine too. But just let this be a time where you're, you're laying um, that, that idol or that thing that you're putting before God right here and leaving it here so that you can walk out of this place free, that you can walk out of this place with freedom because repentance is sometimes looked at as a negative word, but repentance is freedom, guys. It's freedom. So tonight, I just want to give you that opportunity. So let me pray for us and then we'll, um, we'll, meet, we'll be done for the night. Father God, I pray that you would just come, Lord, that you would just give us bravery in our hearts and courage that we would, um, Lord, just come lay some things down, Father, at this altar that are, that are just competing for time with you. Lord, I thank you for being a good father. I thank you for being a, just a, a patient father. Lord, tonight I pray for the hearts of people that are here. God, encourage them. God, send them out. Give them passion and energy, Father, to do the things that you've called them to do. God, I pray for um, great influence um, in this community through these people. God, I pray that you would just work in the hearts of these people, God. Lord, send them out. God, give them opportunities to, to be an example for the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray that we would be ambassadors for your kingdom. Father, I pray that we would just be a unified body of believers who are, who are seeking the furtherment of your kingdom. God, I pray that your kingdom will be our central focus. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We're so honored um, just to be in your presence tonight. Thank you for allowing us to be here to, to just uh, fellowship with one another. God, I pray that we would just, uh, just honor you with the way we live this week, Father. Lord, we love you. In your name I pray.